0: Welcome back to Brain Body Movement, the podcast for those interested in everything nutrition, training, and mindset. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Brock. Today's episode was a Q&A where we answered four questions that got sent to us through social media. Question number one, are DOMs a good or bad thing? Question number two, how do you bulk without gaining a lot of fat? Question number three, how many times a year do you recommend going on a diet break? How long should it be? And question number four. What are the top supplements you would suggest for a beginner getting into weight training? That was in the back half of the show and in the front half we spoke about technology and the x-ray of an atom, aggressive dieting strategy tips, my proposal and gave you a few random facts. All right, enjoy the show. Don't say anything about someone in email you would not be comfortable saying to them directly because
1: eventually they will read it. I think this applies for more than just email, hey? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I hate (laughs) email. Just in general. (laughs) I I was shockingly caught red-handed doing this one day with a former housemate and a a partner. And, uh, yeah, I was being quite vocal about just, yeah, certain things that were going on. And uh, because their car wasn't in the driveway, I had no idea they were home and they came out. Look. To this day, everything that I said, I stand by everything that I said, but would I have said it to their face? Probably not. Mm. But, uh, yeah,
0: That's a good test though, isn't it? It's like, if you can,
1: whatever you're saying, just say it to their face and be candid with them. Yeah, exactly. But it was things that like, there's certain things that you can think that you probably wouldn't say to someone's face and there's certain things that, yeah, and I was just vocalizing things that I thought to my housemate mm-hmm. Mitch at the time and uh, yeah, we were, we were both caught red-handed uh, uh, and yeah there was a bit of animosity in the house then until we moved out but yeah yeah i, I learned my lesson <laughs> then very quickly but putting it in writing is like a whole another level like then there's proof and record of, of evidence it, yeah. Like, happening yeah yeah there's like actual evidence so but i mean that's where we're going with ai right like mm. deep, deep fakes are happening and you're not going okay. to be able to tell whether someone's actually said it or not like no there's yeah. going to have to be like a, an authenticity, like a little logo in the bottom corner or something, or like a this is, yeah, this, I, I don't know how you're going to tell because some of them are pretty gnarly, but yeah, be careful what you put into writing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Have you seen that um, AI generated Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs interview? No, I haven't. Amazing. It's so good. So if you haven't <laughs> listened to that, if it's like you can tell that it is a bit. Like the tonality and then a bit of the way that they say different words, but probably about 75% of the way there, you're like, damn, some spots you're just like, that is like full conversation going on and stuff. But yeah, it's funny you say it, like in writing, it's probably worse, but then you also got to think people when they hear you speak, right, and you're like, I didn't say that. And then they start making up words of like how it actually was because our memories are so bad. So then to that degree of the writing, at least it's exactly what you said. Whereas other people may think, oh, he said this and then said this. And then every time they start saying that to someone about what you've said, they then add on more and then it makes it like 10 times worse. And you're like, that's not what I said. It's like, whereas in the email, you're like, no, that's exactly what I said. It's in writing. So I can see... (laughs) you you don't have the paper trail so much but yeah if you do if you do have it have it said like in writing it's i don't know if it's better or worse but it's better not just to say anything unless you are willing to say it to to their face that's what i try and i guess hold myself accountable to as well when i'm i don't like talking about people um i think oh there was a there was a really good quote about oh it's going to sound bad but it's like what is it? It's like small minds talk about people, smart people talk about things, and then intelligent people talk about ideas. I think that was the quote or something. I think that's really cool about like ideas around stuff. That's what I try and get to because like talking about people, like where, where are you going to get to it? You know, like what what are you going to get out of it? Not much really, especially if they're not there and then defending themselves because everyone's side of their story is always right apparently whereas like i always like to see both sides of the story and that's a proper conversation that's why i like having with you talk about ideas and and sometimes things as well but we very oh we talk about people sometimes but you know i think i think it's a good range of like the percentage of what you can talk about
1: What's the saying, right? There's three sides to every story. There's there's one side, there's the other side, and then there's the truth. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. everyone everyone will give you their own interpretation of the truth, which is just it's just their interpretation, right? And that's where things can get like like muddied. Like you like you said, it's they they've interpreted it this way, and then they've embellished it a little bit more here, and then someone else has interpreted it a different way, and then embellished that a little bit more somewhere else, and and the story is completely different to where it oh, yeah. started that initially. Yeah, yeah. but. Yeah, choose choose words widely, both written and spoken. <laughs> and uh yeah, what 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 benefit do you get out of talking about unless it's someone like in an educational sense and you're like, Oh, I've learnt this from so and so or so and so has implied this, but But that might yeah, be an idea as well. Yeah, ex- exactly. About. Yeah, exactly. So ideas, thoughts I think are are worth exploring and talking about, even even on your own, right? Like journaling, writing it down, mm. being like, Okay, I've had this idea. Is it um I'm about to talk about someone? Is it uh Mind Pump Adam who says when he's uh when he's stoned, sometimes he just writes down thoughts and then he, <laughs> then when he's sober and wakes up, he's like, Yeah, know nah, that's a shit idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just just writing down thoughts and ideas can help. One, it gets it out of your head and then you can come back and reflect and be like, is that idea worth exploring more? And then if it is, you can then bring it up with someone and, and start a conversation about it and yeah all all businesses start from just an idea right oh yeah like the person that invented the paperclip was like oh how can i hold this paper together (laughs) better the paperclip it's just a simple simple idea like and majority of the ideas that really take off right is it's services that like help people or provide a provide value to someone like amazon didn't start out as like a, a next day delivery service it started out as like a an yep. online library. Yeah. Books, and then yeah. and then yeah, then they started selling more and then they started selling different products. And then it just blew into this beast, but it just started out with the simple idea of like an online library. Mm-hmm. So don't don't dismiss your ideas straight away. Write them down and be like, okay, could that potentially work? And then go from there and mm-hmm. reflect on it yourself before you bring it up with someone else if you're nervous about it and then bring it up with someone else that you feel as though you can confide in well, and then from there it'll just blossom. Mm. Yeah. go forward.
0: Yeah, exactly. Everyone's got ideas, but it's also like the implementation of it as well, of like saying something and then pondering on an idea, you know, oh, yeah, I, I thought of Uber before. It's like, all right, mate. Like,
1: <laughs> no worries.
0: Yeah, oh, That's such like, a dribble,
1: that. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, I could have done that. I could have easily done that. And it seems so obvious at the time, but I guess back in the day when, you know, with cars and stuff, yeah, if you are like – was it Henry Ford or whatever uh, who was it Henry Ford they did the first car I don't know anyways it doesn't really matter it's it's more like if you asked people what they wanted they would have said a faster car uh, a faster horse so and he's like no nah, I want something completely different and that's what just disrupts
1: i guess industries yeah so I've got here. The uh, first car was invented by Carl Benz. So I'm assuming it's something to do with like a Mercedes Benz. Okay. Ka- Carl Benz, and he is a German engineer. That's probably why they call it the car. Yeah, maybe, but it's K, <laughs> K A R L. Yeah, okay. C A R L. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fair. Cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think maybe um, Henry Ford what made it made it um, more efficient and quicker, like the paid paid more people like at a higher rate for them to come work with him in like a full factory line to just pump out cars and stuff.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I'm pretty sure he was the first one to like create that factory setting mm. in in regards to cars and that's just being a pioneer. Isn't it crazy how we went from uh, a case of um, poor people uh, getting around on horses and, and the rich having cars and now it's a complete 180 <laughs> <laughs> and the poor have the cars, now the rich people own the horses. <laughs> So I think I've brought this up before, but they theorise that the the person has been born that has re- will receive the last ever driver's license. So they're thinking that oh, wow. automated cars will be a thing of the past in six, uh, be a thing of the future in sixteen years time, and everyone would be just getting around automated cars, and there'll be no need for a license. Mm. That 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 will completely disrupt that whole motor industry. Like the car now, right, is designed around uh, comfort for the driver to get from A to B let's say you use your car purely to go to and from work then the the interior of that car could be set up for like a workstation and you are working Mm -hmm. on your way to work and then Mm -hmm. you go to work in the office work and then on the way back you've got the same thing or it could be set up as like a a luxury vehicle and you've got like a a tv on the screen you lie down and your car gets you from a to b and you're just watching netflix on the roof or something Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah so i think that'll completely disrupt that industry that uh that automated car and then it'll be a case of where we're at now is like the the manual cars and I think they call them stick in America. The the, the manual cars um, being like a, a thing that they really desire and like the loud muffle and and now we're moving towards electric and, and now that's mm-hmm. becoming like vintage and then the electric will probably become vintage and then we'll move into the automated and yeah, it's just that's that's the way we progress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, innovation and disrupting industries which is happening rapidly nowadays like the growth in the last 10 years compared to the 50 years before that is rapid like it's insane yeah yeah it's it seems like it's just gaining traction like that snowball effect and it's just getting mm-hmm. faster and faster and faster and everything's changing so rapidly it's it's really quite mind-blowing
0: yeah i i think also i think people would want to drive as well once they've like going around in automated cars and stuff. I think there'll be people just like the horse analogy. Yeah. Just like they'll want to go for a cruise. I know I did like a lot of cruises with the boys back in the day down to the bay and stuff. Like you just want to show off your cars that you have, even though some of the cars weren't the best, but you just put that big muffler on at the back, big exhaust. And then it sounds like, yeah, you got a good car, but it's just a little fucking four-cylinder. muffler. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
1: Uh, was it a WRX that you had?
0: Oh no, no, no. So this was the um, Subaru Liberty, which was my first car that I had. Um, that was that was a car I used to. Yeah, sunroof that leaked, leather leather interior. But um, yeah, I'd like put a massive muff like, exhaust on that, and then that would be so loud. And then I upgraded to to the Rexy, which is a good car and it is a quick car. So um, that. I could cruise with. I'm okay with cruising with that car, but the liberty I had no, had no, <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea.
1: Like, wouldn't add up. But yeah, it was good. It's good times. Yeah, I had a, uh, I had a Lancer with a big loud muffler thing on it. And honestly, at first I thought it was real cool. Like after a couple of months of having it, I was like, this thing is awful it draws so much attention to you. you like late at night getting around anywhere you'd constantly be pulled over by police because it's just a mm. an attention magnet it's yeah, absolute nightmare. But but yeah. when we when we when we young we think it's the, the coolest thing ever oh definitely <laughs> um speaking of technology i want to bring up because you, you'll be amazed by this so the first single atom has been x-rayed and they're saying it'll completely transform not just like space exploration but like the world as a whole so atoms right the closest they can get on an x-ray imaging to figuring out what an atom like specifically is like the chemicals that make up a singular atom the closest imaging they could get was 10,000 atoms at once right so, wow. so they've now they've now broke it down and they've used this uh, x-ray a synchrotron scanner and it's managed to get the x-ray imaging down to the single molecular of the atom so oh, like a, wow X raying one atom at a time. So like in outer space, right, they can um detect what like the land is like each atom of the land is made up of much easier and traces of like if there was water, etc. They're saying it may be used to find cures for major life threatening diseases. It'll help develop uh, quantum computers much faster. Uh, there'll be advancements in like eco science. Like they're saying it yeah, it'll completely change Oh yeah, the way that yeah, the the way that we view the world and the way that we can progress just from it from an X-ray. So, how many are there? Yeah. Is it just like the first one that they've created? Yeah, or? it's it's just that just the first one uh, ever done. So, where was that at? Uh so it was in um in a national laboratory in Illinois, so in America. Mm. How cool! A synchrotron X-ray scanning tunneling microscopy. Wow! So an SXSTM they're calling it. <laughs> Bit of a yeah. mouthful
0: of that. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, I thought that'd be quite mind blowing and I thought you'd uh, I thought you'd uh, love that because yeah. yeah, what what it'll be able to detect in space. Mm-hmm. So they'll, they'll they're theorizing that they'll take this little um X ray scanning machine up on yeah. rovers and stuff, and yeah. then they'll be able to use it there and it'll just be, be much more accurate for detecting either life or water or yeah you know, oxygen yeah. levels and yeah. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Oh yeah, but I I think I think the big advancement is like ecoscience here here on Earth, and then being able to cure major life threatening diseases. Like you can break down things into from what was ten thousand down to one. Mm -hmm. Like that's gonna be completely game changing. Oh, definitely. Like you get little nanobots in the in the body,
0: get little scans in the body, and see what's going on. That that would be really cool. I'm I'm glad we've got smart people onto this shit because like <laughs> I'm like let's pump some iron man you be right <laughs> I, like, okay. I love I love hearing about it and stuff um try and wrap my hand around it but yeah that that's really cool I'd I'd love to see yeah. what what they come up with with stuff like this because it's like the second and third order um, advancements that you get from something so singular like that. Um, obviously, there may be some bad stuff as well, like, you know, the atom bomb and shit with other advancements mm-hmm. and stuff. But I think moving forward, we can see so much good come out of this moving forward, with like, yeah, especially going to space and figuring out what's going on on, on Mars and the moon again, because we weren't there for very long, or the moon, we weren't, if you believe
1: we got there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take the tinfoil hat off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um- Speaking of pumping iron, lifting weights, I just want to talk about a stru- dieting strategy, so a bit of a left turn. For someone who's starting out and you know that you're someone that like wants to see results because you find seeing some progress on the scale motivating and then being motivated makes it much easier to be disciplined, a good strategy that I often use is be aggressive with your diet and then build calories up throughout hand. So, so why do I like this? One, being aggressive. You're going to see changes straight away. So let's say it's a 30, 35, 40% deficit. That's very, very aggressive. They're large deficits. In doing that, you should see some pretty rapid weight loss straight away. Um, And then because you're building calories up each day afterwards, there's that little mindset thing of like, I just got to get through today. I get more calories tomorrow. Even if it's like 20 calories, which is five grams of carbs, that mindset of like, I get more food tomorrow, I get more food tomorrow can potentially help you get through that day of that aggressive diet. Mm. So the reason I'm speaking about this is because I'm doing it myself mm-hmm. and I pulled a further 500 calories away from, I was already in a, I'd say a, a smallish deficit, but I pulled another 500 calories away and went a bit more aggressive. And it, it's just a, a little mental thing of like, I get eight grams of carb, two mm-hmm. gram more fat tomorrow. And I know each day I get more food, I get more food, I get more food. And I did this in conjunction with the change of a training program. So I, I changed my movements because I knew strength would probably take a hit over these first one to two weeks. But like, it's honestly the the mental aspect of it. And I do this with a lot of people that I work with, of going aggressive and then getting more food. Like it's like, oh, I'm eating more now. Yep. And I'm I'm still seeing weight loss, but you get that initial big chunk done, and that's motivating. You're seeing progress, and then you can progress from there. Yeah. I've... What's your thoughts on that? Mate, you know I fucking love aggressive diets.
0: <laughs> but it really depends on the person as well who, I, who I'm working with um, and their mindset around it. Like if they're going aggressive and then they're like binging, obviously they're not in a state a um, right mindset to get into an aggressive diet. So you have to be in a good place of knowing that you can have um absolute, like the unconditional permission to eat anyth- yeah anything, just not everything. So it really comes down to... Okay, I'm gonna pull pull out a big chunk of uh, calories at the start of my diet when I have the most amount of body fat. So then your body can take the stores because there's a, there's only so much your body will utilize the fat as fuel. So you don't want to go like crazy crazy low. Like I'm I'm talk, like in in some of the studies they've gone like really low and like just like shake diets and stuff. But I like to get at least. Good amount of protein in. So I've seen some studies like 800 as the lowest with sufficient um, protein with like obese people. Um, obviously, I'm not putting um, any of my clients on 800 calories, um, but I do like that we go we start off real aggressive and then we can move up in calories if we if we need. But I usually go like in week blocks and then that a max of maybe like four weeks depending. Oh, So, it's just like in and out, smash it. And it's also asking whether they worry about maximal fat loss or you want to ma- ma- like retain some of your muscle mass as well. Like I'm not too worried um if they're like, oh, I don't care too much about the muscle mass in like four-week block. Like you're going to lose like a little bit but not too much because you got muscle memory and you can like build it back up after that. So, like say you lose say four kilos over four weeks, and maybe like a kilo of that is is oh, I wouldn't be a kilo, but just a small percentage of that would be would be muscle, right? If you do that over twelve weeks, losing that four kilos, you you would have maintained your muscle, but you've got eight weeks of building that muscle back up anyway. So that's why I like it, and also that mental game of next week um, I get to up my calories as well because I. I like the fact that you said, oh, each day you can increase calories. That's definitely a good option to have. Um, I just try and keep the variables, um, the same for each week blocks, just cause there's just too much happening. Cause you're like, all right, this is my calories for this week. Cause people, <laughs> people find it hard enough just to stick to their calories and there are going to be like fluctuations day to day anyway. So I'm like, all right, what's your averages over that week? And then you can go, all right, and then just like adjust it day to day. And then, um, you're like, all right, now this next week I've got this target, and it's and it's ranges anyway, isn't it? It's like this is the range you're going to be. You're not going to be 100, percent like <laughs> for for your calories. So I really really enjoy it, and it depends like if it depends how aggressive you're going as well, um, but how much fat percentage you have as well will also determine the um the aggressive of the calorie deficit, how much you're moving, how much you're weight training um, and then your stresses obviously in life but I, I fucking love it. I love going aggressive like mm-hmm. um, the last couple of weeks um, I've been back up roughly around maintenance, not tracking um, every day, just tracking every like one or two days and today I've gone, I'm going hard again for the next I think I got 18 days until I get to Europe so it is I'm um, I'm pretty well doing um, like a protein modified fast, which is basically just protein. So every everything that I eat is just basically protein. Um, but I have the unconditional permission to have extra stuff if I want it, and that's just like knowing that I've got that in my back pocket. But no, it's only 18 days or whatever it is, um, and I I can just go. Let's just blitz it right now, uh, and I can see I can see the finish line, but I know that. If I have, say, a lunch or a dinner that, or some drinks, I, it's fine. Like, because you're going in such an aggressive deficit right now, you have that leeway. Like, if I had a massive meal, I'd still be in a deficit because I'm so low.
1: Yeah. Over the, over the course of a week, not on that specific yeah.
0: day. Well, yeah, even, even, even on a specific day. So, say I'm like at, um, I don't know, 2000 calories or something, and I have like a, a nice meal at like 700, 800 calories, I'm still in a 400 calorie deficit. You know what I mean? But most, but most people don't have three things. No, they don't have day. no most <laughs> people don't. <laughs> but I do. So if I have it, that's
1: all good. So the one aspect that you spoke about there was like um getting that, that mindset of, of more each day. And the reason I said each day is because I've got my fitness pal pro so i can literally just oh, yeah, okay. t- tailor it so it's it's already set for me i don't have to think about it like mm-hmm. the, the macro is already set there. It's not having to be like go in and adjust it each and every day because that would be a complete and utter ball ache. but i've got the pro where i can set it for each individual day the macro so that's why i said eight but, grams yeah. of carb two grams of fat each day yeah. if i was working with someone they didn't have my fitness pal pro then i would be going okay do a week here and then you'll get more calories do a week here and then you'll get more calories and then it's like oh i'm just gonna get through the week but for me, if I can break it down even more and go day by day mm. and go, oh, just withstand today, you get more food tomorrow. Even if it is only 50 calories, it's still that I'm getting more each day. So mm. it's, it's much easier to get through a day than it is to get through a week. And the other thing about this going aggressive initially is when you finally decide to go, okay, I'm going to place myself into a deficit and I'm going to go for fat loss that's when you're most motivated and it's mm. when you're most likely to be adherent to your plan. Mm-hmm. So you might as well be aggressive then and be like, okay, let's, let's get the ball rolling. Let's get some momentum while I'm super motivated, while it's easy for me to be disciplined um, on the ball with everything. Let's go super aggressive then. And then as that motivation inevitably fades because it does hopefully you've built some habits around discipline but now you've got more food yep. coming along and you know you've got more food coming along which will make it easier to be disciplined because it's like okay i've done the hard work now i can have a little bit of leeway with my food choices and i can be a little bit more lax and it's just i like the aggressive initially and mm. then and then building up like you said, the caveat there is who you're working with. Like if you're working with someone super, super lean and they're like, I just want to get treaded and they're already quite lean, yeah. aggressive probably no. isn't the way, to, the way to go. You're no, likely not. just going to be burning into muscle mass. But for someone just starting out and they're like been yo-yo dieting for a while, they're like, oh, I'm not really sure what to do. Track your calories, be aggressive with your deficit, do it for a week. You'll be like, oh, wow. I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought there was a reason why I couldn't lose weight. I've tried this diet. I've tried this diet. I've tried this diet, but I could never stick to them. Go this one, go for a week and then give yourself more food and then give yourself more food and gradually build your calories back up. Then when you get to a point where you're close to maintenance, there's not really much happening on the scale, go again if you've still got more fat loss Mm -hmm. to lose and place yourself in an aggressive deficit and build yourself back up. I really like that strategy and just thought I'd bring it up
0: yeah definitely and just just another thing to note as well, if you say you have been yo yo dieting and I am eating you know twelve hundred calories and not losing weight um I yeah would pose to you maybe just yeah track your calories for like a week or two up around maintenance and then go into the diet because you might find oh maybe I'm not actually eating twelve hundred calories, and it's just like like absolutely everything that you have, and then it might be okay. Maybe I'm like doubling up everything that I'm eating right now and I'm just eating bites of food off of my kid's plate or something. Um, you know, like daddy tax or whatever they call it. So it's like it <laughs> <laughs> just just be mindful of everything that go on it because you forget. You just do. Like, but if once you're aware of everything and you know, those late night runs to Maccas or whatever, and then even alcohol and stuff, it's uh it all it all adds up, but it's like just be aware of it and go, okay. Am I actually eating this much? Because you may have, you may have had 1,200 calories one day and then you just forget to track a few of the other days and then that really bumps you up to like 3,000, 4,000 calories. You're like, oh, I'm having 1,200 calories. I put it in my, my fitness power, but it's like on the Monday when you're most motivated or whatever, motivational Mondays and stuff. you know. And then you're just like, choose oh, Tuesday, a little bit lax. Wednesday, you're like, no, nah, I'm dialing in. And then Thursday drinks, Friday comes around. And you're like, oh, I don't want to track over the weekend. And then boom. There goes your whole deficit, but then you're like, oh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in a deficit, but then I'm not losing weight. That could be the reason. So track every single day, and then you'll find out. Maybe you're not in a
1: in a deficit. As a as a coach, one of the most frustrating sentences I hear is, "I'm in a calorie deficit, but I'm not losing weight." Mm. That sentence right there is physically impossible. <laughs> if you're in a calorie deficit, you can't undo the laws of thermodynamics. Like if you're eating fewer calories than you burn you will lose weight like there's no if buts or maybes if you don't think that's the case don't eat food for a day and watch your weight on the scale like mm-hmm. it will literally change you will literally lose weight because you're not eating food because you've burnt calories throughout the day living your life and you haven't consumed anything so you've burnt fewer calories than you consumed like it's mm-hmm. it's one of the most frustrating sentences and it's just a, a lack of awareness like i'm not i'm not trying to bash on people here it's just a lack of awareness like yeah, just don't know they, They they may be tracking, but they may not be using a food scale. Or Mm -hmm. they're using the food scale and they get their peanut butter out and they put it on the toast or whatever and then they lick the spoon. Mm -hmm. Or they track as one One burger (laughs) rather than grams. Yeah. It's just I am tracking and I'm I think I'm at twelve hundred calories, but I can't be for certain. So if you want to be for certain, then use your food scale, track everything in grams or mils, and be as accurate as possible. Everything that goes in your mouth. Literally everything if you you buy a a sugar-free beverage and you this is you being super super anal and it's got one gram of carb in it you track that one gram of carb because Mm -hmm. (laughs) track everything that goes into your mouth for one to two weeks and then see where you're at because if you're not it's just all going to compile and add up and now i use a a ridiculous analogy of a a sugar a sugar-free drink that's got one gram of carb but like you do that then you're probably missing something else somewhere else in your diet. Like if you let one thing go, then you might let something else go. How you do everything, uh, how you do something is how you do everything. So if you're letting one go, it's likely you're letting two or three other things go. And they're probably not one gram of carb. They could be 10, which is 40 calories. And then one over here, you could be five grams of fat, which is another 45 calories. Bang, there you go, 100 calories like that. Mm -hmm. It's so, so easy to do. And it's not knocking anyone. It's just lacking awareness around how much you're actually eating, which is why I feel as though we both like tracking because it's mm-hmm. it's accurate. Like you use a scale, you place the food on the scale, you know how much you're consuming, and it's just an easy way to tell. And then you can manipulate from there quite easily and be like, okay, I thought I was in a deficit at eighteen hundred calories. That's not working. Let's pull two hundred calories away and let's see what happens then. And you're tracking your body weight and you go, Oh wow, I lost weight on that. Let's stick with the sixteen hundred and I'll continue to track. You continue to lose weight, then it eventually mm-hmm. plateaus and you go, okay, the 1600 is no longer working. What do I do? Okay, I'll go to 1400. These are just arbitrary numbers I'm throwing at, but you get the gist. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, track absolutely everything because <laughs> saying you're in a calorie deficit and not losing weight, it's its literally impossible. Yeah, definitely. Do you, want to, uh, do you want to tell me about your weekend or random facts?
0: Uh, Yeah, I'll tell you about the weekend. Um, Over the weekend... I um, proposed to my partner and uh, it was the best because I got to surprise her. So, for so long, um, she kind of knew the proposal was coming and she's very hard to surprise because she's usually the one that surprises everyone else. And she's quite cluey with certain things, um, but obviously not with this because I was telling her about like long long weekends coming up um, I was like, oh, maybe we can go up to, you know, the hills and stuff and stay up there before um, my niece's birthday and stuff. So, I'm like giving a slight hint um, throughout like the last month or so of just like, you know, like you, you wouldn't mind if, if you're not surprised with you and, and stuff like this. So, she 100% thought that it was going to happen next weekend. And then, so what I did is got her friend to take her out to her lunch and then I set up with my uh with her friend um at the house that we're building. So I got the key from the builder to let us in because it's not finished yet. <laughs> so I had to like sweep the house. Uh, we both had to sweep the house and um just set up like just like random pedals and then I made this video on the laptop just like you know, random stuff and then our song played right at the end. And then she'd walk up up the stairs, had like some fairy lights and stuff that she loves. And I was just waiting for her upstairs with the beautiful view looking over and stuff and then I gave her a rose and then just read her a poem because I love reading her poems and stuff <laughs> and then I asked her in bosnian um will you marry me obviously said it in english after and it was really nice um she was so surprised everyone was crying it was it was good I had my sister there as a photographer so it was really special um and then yeah we went went over for uh I had Went to EOS, which is like um, in, in town, a really nice hotel room. And they just had other stuff set up there, um, like chocolates and cheese platter, Connect Four, some flowers and that. And then, <laughs> then we went out to dinner. And then the next day, we went to McLaren vale, which is like a winery that we, on our fifth date, I think, we, we did the Adventure Challenge book. And that was where we ended up in just some random, um, it's called like Orchard Reserve or something in McLaren vale just some random place and we that's where we basically became partners so we went back there for a picnic and everything and did like a wine tasting with pairing and stuff so it was a good time big big weekend big i was quite exhausted by the end of it
1: yeah i bet i know how much you're stressing about this and Mm. i had to keep my mouth shut as well and uh I'm glad it all went smoothly because I I know how much you were effort you were putting into this and like oh I just really want to make sure it surprises her and yeah organize friends I'm organizing my sister and you you were genuinely saying to me I'm not sure if I've got enough here like do I have enough cameras do I have enough videos yeah. do I-? and I'm like you've done so much prep work mate you I yeah. think you'll be all fine and I've seen the video of her and yeah her anger her anger towards her friend of like <laughs> yeah. did you know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Did you <know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you you bitch not telling me <laughs>
0: uh, yeah it's funny so, i had like four cameras so two sam cameras set up and then both of her friends recording plus my sister as a photographer so I, was like, I think i got all the angles which is good and i'll make like a little video but yeah it was cute man
1: oh how good i'm mm. uh i'm uh glad everything went according to plan and yeah, she said yes, was, which was like the, the main thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I never, I never had that in doubt. But uh, the the surprise element, and mm. you being you being nervous about everything going according to plan. I think, I think it sounds like it did, and yeah, it definitely. And end, end, end result was there, and you had a good weekend. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy for you, man. Cheers, brother. All right, you got a fact for me? I do have a fact for you. In fact, I have two Ooh. facts for you. So it's around the penguin. So the penguin is the only bird that can swim and not fly. Okay. And the extinct colossus penguin stood as tall as the height of LeBron James. So that's a very, very tall penguin. Very colossal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The name the name fits it so well. Hey. Yeah. Nice. Uh, colossus penguin. That is a massive penguin. That's huge. Yeah, it's like, imagine get imagine getting into a fight with that sucker. Could you imagine the size of the? Is it a beak? Is it a beak yeah, on a penguin? I guess. So. Yeah. Imagine the size of that thing pecking <laughs> at you. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, like, how did they find this out? Is it like uh some from some bones and
1: stuff? I would assume that it's from from bones. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, how else? Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you got one for me. Yeah,
0: and I actually have an animal one for you. so you might like oh, it. Good. <laughs> so, the temperature of milk, um, when it is produced by a cow, is approximately thirty-eight to thirty-nine degrees Celsius, or a hundred to hundred and two degrees Fahrenheit when it comes out.
1: So, nice warm milk. That's that's to be expected, right? <laughs> Our, uh, any body fluid that comes out is quite warm, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's not that like is, normal that, milk. What's the average um, body temperature for cow? Probably about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Makes sense, but, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, we don't drink it warm, do we? No, nah, we have it cold. Let's put it. Let's put it nice and cold in the unless you have like proper frothing and stuff when they when you heat it
1: up, like a in a coffee, coffee shoe, or a hot yeah. chocolate or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, most yeah. people will just have it have it nice and cold. That. i still think people that drink a glass of plain milk on its own i think that i don't know how people do that hey oh really I, I i used to be able to do it like a glass of milk and cookies but mm. now i i think that's in the same category as like eating the stringy bits off bananas and <laughs> that sort of that sort of strange behavior oh
0: i it's funny so that like i haven't done it in so long but i do remember having it when i was like a a little little tucker i would just like smash the milk Probably because yeah, there was same. no Milo left. Like, I just have scoops and scoops of Milo. It'd be like 50-50, 50. I 50,
1: 50. <laughs> was the same. I think we're all the same. Like a yeah. scoop would be like a heap to like up, oh. like massive. Yeah. yeah, and it'd
0: be like three of them, and then yeah. you just like, and then you'd see the blob come up to the top and just sit there. Yeah, like oh yeah,
1: this is delicious. I never liked yeah. it hot though. I never like hot Milo. This no, taste is good. I, Again, same sort of behavior as drinking a, a regular glass of milk and stringy bits and bananas. A whole Milo, it's just not the same. No, you you got to have it in the bottom and then yeah. pour the milk over the top, and you want it to try and sit in the bottom for a bit. Yeah, it'll sit, and then it eventually, eventually comes it. to the top, and oh, it's just scooping off the top, delicious. Yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> um, I wonder if the reason being right. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty sure that like sixty percent of the population after the age of thirty five. Lose the ability to digest lactose. Like that's something that we lose as we age, the ability to digest lactase, lactose. I'm not sure. Let me me Google this for you. Okay. I thought it was just certain populations. Yeah. So after childhood, about two-thirds of the world's human population loses the ability to digest milk. So Yeah, yeah. after childbirth. After after childhood. So 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 like... When they, they but there a little... is cert, there is certain populations like um, a lot of the Asian cultures I believe struggle with with lactose, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the Scandinavians like it's yeah you're totally yeah. fine for them and 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 the, the Scottish as well it's just like yes, yeah, it's, it's part of life brother <laughs> yeah brother <laughs> okay let's get stuck into some questions let's do it before we get to the questions I just want to ask a small favour of you. If you could leave us a five-star review and share this episode with family, friends, or to your Instagram stories, we would really appreciate it. It helps the podcast grow, get into more people's ears, and costs nothing but two seconds of your time. Thanks for listening and your continued support. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Question number one, are DOMs a good or bad thing? Okay, well, first we got to... Let the listeners know what
0: DOMS stand for, which is Delayed Onset Muscle Soreness. And basically, what it is is when you go hard in a workout or if you um, haven't worked out in a while, you'll get muscle soreness usually like a day or two after. It just means that you've just gone. They they don't know exactly why, but mainly it's because you've just like tore up so much um, muscle and you just destroyed it and you just get so sore from it is it a bad thing or good thing it depends how you look at it if it if you're always getting doms then i would say that it's probably not the best thing for you You maybe just pull back with it but everyone knows that like when they haven't worked out for ages then they go in for a worker even if they're trying to be like conservative sometimes you just get that those doms and stuff so it's Good in a way where you're like, oh, yeah, I really felt good and it may motivate you to keep going. But I would just say like pull the brakes a bit and go like, okay, maybe like once once or twice, maybe a month, maybe feeling sore. But if you're sore every, after every single session, then you need to look at your programming because you shouldn't be getting that sore. Like there's a thing called the repeated bout effect where it's like the more you do it, the better you get at it and the less sore you'll get. So if you're constantly being sore, then you're either one, not recovering, or two, you're just going too hard at the um, the exercise bout that you're doing. And it doesn't always have to be weight training; it could be like uh, pounding the pavement a lot. So your body will get used to it. But yeah, if you're constantly sore, no ice bath is going to save you.
1: Yeah, I'm in I'm in the exact same category. Is it a good or bad thing? Yeah, it's, it's it's neutral. If you're using DOMS as a way to gauge the effectiveness of your workout, then it's probably not the best thing. Like the sore you are doesn't mean you had a, a better workout. In fact, if your DOMS are too severe, it's going to impact your ability to recover and then it'll affect your in- training intensity of the next session. So, mm-hmm. a little bit of a little bit of DOMS is a good thing, but if you repeat the same workout again next week like you mentioned yourself and you've got the same level of DOMS, then you haven't made progress during that week. So, you maybe scale back a little bit, have a little bit less DOMS, and then if you recover the next time, then you can look to increase your volume from there and then yeah, build build your way through your progressive overload. But are they a good or a bad thing? They're neither. Um, yeah. I, I I know pretty much every time I, I I switch gears. So with a with a training block, uh, pretty much every time I switch gears, that first week will be the week that I'll have the most DOMs. Or mm. let's say I take a week off training and then I come in and I try and go at the same intensity that I was beforehand. Don't do this <laughs> because the dot the DOMs will be severe because you're not adapted to it. Your body hasn't adapted to the training stimulus. You've taken a week off and then you've gone in with the same level of intensity. Always after a holiday or something like that, Mm -hmm. ease yourself back in. Go 50%, 75%, 90% and then go 100% in that final week. I would argue for most programs, that's probably a good strategy. Even if it's like 70, 80, 90 and then that last week you go 100. Or if it's 80, 90, 100, and then you try and progress and go to 110 the next week. That would be the way I would structure yourself through a program, regardless of whether you've taken a time off holiday or not. And that's a way of minimizing DOMS in that first week of that new exercises, new rep scheme, new tempos, new amount of sets. And it's a way to minimize that DOMS factor because, yeah, if it impacts your recovery, it's going to impact your results.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
1: also, like,
0: it's it's a hard one because... People, I hear people say all the time, oh, I'm sore, like I had a great workout. And you're just like, hmm. no, <laughs> you went too hard. And and it's it's hard when you first start training people as well to get that through the head of like maybe they need to feel a little bit sore to make sure that they may think that it's working. So it's the whole like um, uh, give them what they want, um, but then give them what they need as well in the, in the back end. So I can see the... The play when, as a as a coach or trainer, they maybe they do want to get that little bit sore at the start, just to get a little bit of buy in, and then you can teach them as they go and progress. Of like, look, it's okay to be sore a little bit, but not all the time, because you're just going to go backwards. Like, yeah, like you say, it's going to affect a lot of your training. Like, I hate feeling sore, but I thought that that was the way to go back in the day. Like, I'd be plumbing in a trench, sore from like doing legs the night before or the two days beforehand, and. <laughs> The fuckers would just push me and I'd like fall over and stuff. So it's just like it's it's not a good time in or outside the trench. So yeah, if you're if you're always sore from DOMS, like re-look at how you're training and how you're recovering with food and sleep and all that kind of stuff.
1: I think that's a learning curve everyone has to go through, right? Like we both went through it of like especially especially late day in particular, of like not being able to walk for four days afterwards or it's a trophy. was the a trophy. Yeah. I can't literally walk. Literally was like, yeah. Right. and memes about it's, it. I mean. Yeah, it's literally impacting <laughs> your progress and results. Like you could progress so much better, splitting that volume in half, separating over two days and training twice for the week rather than one brutal mm-hmm. leg day. To double down on DOMS, like not being in a, an effective sign of a workout, if you've never trained for a marathon, go run a marathon. I guarantee you'll be mm-hmm. sore the next day. Does that mean you had an effective muscle-building workout? No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So, you can get sore without having an effective workout. Mm. Question number two, how do you bulk without gaining a lot of fat? I'm a woman that has never done it before and I don't want to gain fat. Okay. Well, at least we got
0: the um, the sex here. So, she's a woman not wanting to gain fat. So, it's going to be hard not to gain fat. So, when you say bulk, what do you mean by bulk? Um, I dare say she means build muscle, build muscle. Um, or, or tone. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, if you want to gain muscle, you you can be at maintenance or you can be in a slight surplus. Now, you don't want to gain fat. So, I, would, I personally would probably go more the maintenance side than the um, surplus side if you want to really minimize fat gain um just make sure that you are cuz when it comes to gaining muscle it's more the stimulus than the calories um and the protein than it is um so it's more that's the stimulus for gaining muscle so you need to be weight training like that is the biggest the biggest factor right now and then you have to be obviously in um enough of a cuz you don't need too much um protein to build muscle it depends on where you're at but i would still say around that maintenance, make sure you're having enough protein at least to give to build build that uh that muscle. Um, and then you won't gain as much fat. Like, but you have to be okay with gaining just a little bit of fat. Like um it's it's hard it's really hard to know because you don't know exactly how much energy you're putting out. Like your total daily energy is always up and down depending on how much you're fidgeting, how much you're moving throughout the day, um, what types of food you're having slightly um, there's so many different factors and depending on your um, uh, your metabolism as well, whether you if you overfeed like what your body does. So like if you overfeed yourself like a thousand calories, some people like us, like young males would like would compensate throughout the rest of the day. And then in some of the research, older people and unfortunately women don't compensate as much as young males do. So that's just another caveat. You really have to be careful of of like, oh, I want to bulk, so let's just like go, you know, 20%, fit 10 to 20% bulk and then like realize, okay, I'm gaining a lot of fat here. So I I personally would go maintenance and then just up your protein and make sure that you're sending a, a muscle building signal to your body to build muscle. Like, don't just think, oh, I'll go on a bulk, eat this, and then just, like, do circuit training. Like, that's not going to work. You're just going to – you are probably going to get a worse body fat percentage if you do do that. So, the training is number one. Then you go your calories and then your protein.
1: It's how I would, would lay it out. Yeah, I would go exactly the same recommendation as you. So, I would lean in with maintenance and start there. Now, I do want to throw out the caveat to you. Let's say you're 20% body fat and you gain a kilogram on the scale. And 900 grams of that is muscle and 100 grams of that is fat. Yes, you've gained fat, but your body fat percentage has changed because that is 90% to 10%. So you've only gained 10% body fat there. So your body fat percentage would change and you would actually look leaner. So don't be too scared about gaining fat because in building muscle, you will likely gain a little bit of fat. But if the percentage is smaller, the fat gain percentage is smaller than the, the muscle building percentage of where you're currently at, you will look leaner. So... And don't view it as like a, I don't want this right now. Majority of the elite level athletes you see use the same photos from when they are lean year round, but they go through like a six, eight, nine month dieting phase. Now, here in Australia, we're about to go into winter. That's your perfect opportunity to go through a little bit of a a gaining phase. So go through your gaining phase through winter. You're going to be covered up with clothes anyway. You might be a little bit uncomfortable, but usually on the other side of uh, discomfort is change and growth. So go th- go through that little bit of discomfort, and then out the other side of that, you can strip, strip. We've talked about this before. Stripping fat is significantly easier. You can do great things with fat in four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult to build substantial amount of muscle in four, six, eight weeks unless you're a newbie, unless you're enhanced. Mm-hmm. So just go through a bit of discomfort period. Be okay with gaining a little bit of fat. Like I said, if you're gaining a larger percentage muscle mass as compared to fat mass, you'll still look better throughout. But if you if you're really worried about gaining gaining fat and your your body appearance, then go to maintenance and do it really, really slow. Like it'll be a much slower process. But go to maintenance and then just focus on the gym. So it'd be like, okay, I'm eating a maintenance, focus on the gym. Don't weigh yourself and just go from there. And mm-hmm. as long as you're progressing in the gym, like it, it doesn't always correlate, but there's a there's a fair chance that if you're gaining strength that you will be building muscle throughout that process. So just focus focus on the gym and try and get away from the aesthetics, fat aspect and, and look at other metrics because where your focus goes, the energy flows. So if you're focusing on the training, then all your energy will go into training and then you'll be more likely to give a higher intensity and build muscle. Whereas if you focus purely on the fat side of things, then your focus will go there. You'll focus on food and then you'll be more likely to go, oh no, I've gained a little bit of fat. And then you'll restrict and it'll just be one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, two steps back. So hmm. yeah, just... Go slow, and maybe you may have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And so,
0: when you're training and increasing your calories slightly, so say they've, they've come off of a deficit and now they want to go into a bulk, inevitably, you're going to gain a bit of weight on the scale as well. So, be okay with that. So, that initial bump up in calories, it's just from like if you've increased your carbohydrates water pools in as well so you might see like half a kilo to a kilo just shoot up on the scale just from being at maintenance so and maybe just stress levels as well like whatever it is so just be mindful of that too and then you're like okay and yeah weighing yourself if you do throw it away you're going to be like oh have i gained fat how do you even know if you've gained fat or not unless you've yeah like looked at the scale so just knowing that if you do, do look at the scale it's gonna bump up that first like week or so um and just let it let it calm out. And then if you do throw it out the way, concentrate on your training and then maybe looking at yourself in the mirror with some pictures or whatever, and then that might be a better representation of actually how you look, because that's what you that's what you are going for. You you want to look better. So what better way than to see yourself in in pictures and, and videos or in the mirror instead of the, the scale weight because that it can be very deceiving of like I'm looking better but I'm, I've am i gained more weight and it's just like well yeah you probably gained muscle a little bit of glycogen here you're filling out and you're looking a lot better and it's a trip for people and I understand it can be very demotivating when you see the scale go up because you've taken so much stock in the scale and you've done all this hard work and it's like okay let's just like take a step back that's one metric let's look at all these other metrics and see the evidence that's in front of you and I know it's hard But just a bit of a wake-up call of like there are other measurements out there than just the scale.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to break it down into a pretty simple like five metrics for for you to follow if you're you're wanting to build muscle or bulk without gaining fat. So the first one would just be go to maintenance. Um, The second one would be try and focus on your strength training and progression in the gym and place all your focus there. Ditch the scale and focus on how your clothes fit. So I'm going to use some very generic examples, but if you're male, which you're not, are your sleeves filling out more? Are they, are, are your shirts tighter across the back, chest, shoulders? That tends to be a fairly common metric of bigger arms, bigger pecs, bigger shoulders. If you're a woman, uh, are my jeans tighter around my glutes? Are my legs developing? Is my waist still the same size? That's what I'd focus on rather than the scale. Uh, be patient like that's a really key here for building muscle. And this is a great opportunity for you to hire a coach or use your partner as some form of feedback on like, is, is my body shape actually changing here? Am I not gaining fat? And you need someone that's going to be ruthlessly honest with you. So that's where Mm -hmm. a coach comes in handy. A partner may be like too worried about being like, yeah, honey, you, you look good jeans, in those jeans. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a fairly generic answer. When does does my butt look big in this? Or mm-hmm. yeah, it's a it's a fairly generic answer. So that's where you need someone that's going to be ruthlessly honest with you, and you can check in with them, and and they'll hold you accountable and be like, "What are you What are you going on about? You're in your own head here. Keep going. You're doing great. So that would be the way that I would would break it down in a more simple form. Maintenance, focus on strength training, ditch the scale, focus on how your clothes fit, be patient. And this is where you need someone to hold you accountable, like a second set of eyes.
0: Yeah, it's it's huge having someone there just because you're always looking at yourself all the time and you can kind of over overlook at yourself too much and it can just it can just throw you out. So
1: having that those extra set of eyes can really help. Absolutely they've theorized that if you um were to walk past a clone of yourself in the street, you you wouldn't even recognize them. Mm. That's that's how I distorted your own self-image is. So a Very second good. set of eyes helps tremendously. And especially a professional like like a coach. Mm. Question number three. How many times a year do you recommend going on a diet break? And how long should it be?
0: So this will determine how long you've been in a deficit. So this was A question that would come down to like people dieting. So they did like the Matador study, which did like two weeks dieting, two weeks off, um, which got some pretty good results. I think, I don't know if it's been replicated though. Um, And it's more for the mental aspect of anything um, than it is for actual fat loss. So obviously, if you're not in a deficit, then you're not going to be losing fat. (laughs) So the diet break, I think if you're constantly food focused and um, always yo-yo dieting I think a diet break can really help Um, just knowing like just eating because the thing with the diet breaks is you're bringing yourself up to maintenance all right that's where you'll be staying like for most if you if you are if say you're going on a diet and you're happy with the way you look you need to be used to just eating to live eating to be at maintenance and that's what diet breaks are for of like okay I'm not food focus of what I'm eating I'm just eating to live like because that's where you want to be if you're at your perfect body um, image that you want having a diet break is just like a mini uh, replica of what you would be living at living like after that dieting phase because I think depending on where you're at it's it's a good feeling to know that I don't have to diet again and you're like no I'm happy with where I'm at this is where I'm going to live and then the diet breaks can really help with that Obviously, they're not going to be 100% because if you're still in a fat loss journey, that diet break won't be a good representation because you'll be a little bit less calories than where you were would be at that diet break because um, you'll be a smaller person. But it's it's really hard to say what times where, where I would do a diet break. But I think roughly if you're planning on going away for like a holiday or around Christmas time, These kind of events you know that are coming up, you can schedule them and go, okay, this is actually a good time for me to not worry about dieting too much and actually eat to live and enjoy myself. And it's a great diet break because you're like, yeah, I'm actually losing fat later on in life, uh, like beforehand, and now I can actually enjoy myself with friends and family and stuff. And how long should it be? It really depends up to you. Like you could go a week, you could go two weeks, you could go a whole month. There's no like hard or set rules with certain things. Um, I know that I didn't expect, like I planned a week diet break um, going up to Europe, I think one one week, two times throughout, and I've done three weeks worth so far. So, and that's fine. But I'm like, it's not that I'm not in here and like that's, I've I've set myself that. I'm like, I am okay with taking a diet break right now because my stress levels are just a little bit up due to... (laughs) you know moving and a proposal that i couldn't tell you last week so it's like it was very stressful um so and now i'm in such a great mindset of like yeah let's let's go obviously there's going to be dinners and and celebratory drinks that's going to come in but that's why i'm going hard on the days that i can go hard so then those days it'll be like a refeed day or whatever um but yeah it's it's Very personal preference, and just know there are no hard or set rules. Like you're in control of the way you do your dieting and stuff. And don't think that it should be a week or two weeks. Like I think more than three days, which is a diet break, because if you're like up to three days, I would call that more a, um, a refeed, a refeed day or two. And, um, yeah. So
1: at least like four or plus days would be more that diet break. Yeah. So, the question how many times a year do you recommend going on a diet break i don't mm. <laughs> like plan it around events like you said so christmas maybe you go away for your birthday maybe you got a holiday and ideally you don't want to be dieting for a large percentage of the year this is we spoke about aggressive diets earlier this is why we both like aggressive diets get in get out life is better at maintenance mm-hmm. all aspects of life is better at maintenance sleep oh, yeah. training mood sex drive everything is optimized when you're at maintenance because dieting is a major stress on the body it just wants to remain where it currently is so the more time you can spend at maintenance the better so be aggressive with your diet and then live more of your life at maintenance so that would be that would be my advice i don't i don't really schedule diet breaks or anything like Mm, that and how long should they how long should they be as long as the event is so let's say leading into christmas you're like oh Um, i've got six weeks until christmas then we go away on a family holiday for two weeks but i still want to be focused on fat loss okay well go your six weeks go aggressive go have your two-week holiday where you don't think about macros you don't think about tracking you don't think about dieting you still be mindful of your food choices try and avoid snacking try and avoid um drinking as much as possible and then when you come back okay now i can reassess but don't like view it as a diet break just be like okay i'm going on holiday for two weeks here and i'm in different phase of my life i'm this here I'm just focusing on holiday, creating memories with family, friends, whatever it may be. So yeah, no hard no hard and fast rules, but ideally you want to be spending majority of your time at maintenance because like I said, life is just as a whole is mm. better at, at maintenance.
0: hmm Yeah. And it's funny is because, like mm. when you hear people talk about uh like dieting and stuff like I don't know the last time they may have even tracked to be at maintenance either. Like that it's either like a surplus or, or a um a deficit. And you just like have you even tracked for maintenance before? <laughs> like it's a you'd be surprised at how much food you could probably eat as well, depending on like the size of you and how much you're training and, and getting your steps up. So yeah, it all the good shit happens at maintenance. It's meant to. Mm-hmm. Like that's what your body like your body's not getting under stress because you're trying to pull from fat stores from your body. You're just like, Okay, I have the right amount of fuel going into my body that I'm exerting over a period of time. Like, yeah, I'm sweet. Like, this is good. I'm running optimally like right now. And then you'll be like smashing it in the gym and you'll be like, wow. It's crazy how much food, the right amount of food can actually um, impact your body and mood and everything. Because like when it comes to deficits and stuff, I think... It can it's, it's quite a mental game, and I think people may, they may even be at maintenance sometimes as well, right? But it's it's a stressful maintenance. Okay, just bear with me here because I'm just like thinking thinking this through as I as I speak. So they'll go, okay, I'm going to go into a deficit. So they're restricting, and they're like, say say their maintenance is say twenty two hundred, okay, but right, let's call it twenty five hundred for easy math. And then we go. Okay, I'm going to go down to a deficit of say 2,000 calories. They get to the 2,000 and they're like, "Oh, I'm struggling right now." And then they just like, not binge, but they're like, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to eat this extra because I'm just so hungry or whatever." And then they go, they and then they eat up to maintenance, and then they feel bad about eating at maintenance, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, this is shit. Like, I hate dieting, but it's like you're at maintenance. <laughs> like, your body needed that fuel right now." i think it may be the mindset that you're having around this said food it's just like it's okay to be hungry like it's fine but i think you're putting extra stress on your body and then you don't actually know what good maintenance feels like i could be completely wrong here but i think it's like no i'm actually these, is, these are my calories this is how much calorie this i feel good i have no extra stress from this deficit that i'm putting on myself and then i eat extra or binge or whatever and you just like blow it all out and then it's like a massive yo-yo, you're either like fully restricted or fully going into a surplus. So I think even just like being a maintenance and just enjoying the food for what it is and not even maybe not even tracking for a couple of weeks and just enjoying the food for what it is. And you're like, no, this is sweet. This actually feels good because <laughs> it does. It really does.
1: That that mental aspect is is pivotal in that, right? So mm. I've got a a client that I work with online. And I've been working with him for well over a year. And the goal pretty much the whole time has been fat loss. There's obviously been life events throughout that year that have gone on. And weeks away where they've gone on holiday, I'm like, look, don't track. Um, And they've lost a a fair chunk of weight. I think like 14 kilos. Nice. Anyway, the last two weeks I've noticed that they've had weekends where they haven't tracked and they've done things that they wouldn't normally do. So this week what I've done, I've just said to him, I'm like, look, your weight's probably going to go up a little bit, but don't stress. Just go to maintenance. And I want you to write down after every training session how you felt mm-hmm. because I think you're going to feel drastically different. Like you've lost 14 kilos and your calories have come down pretty steadily that whole time. You've had some weeks up, but it's come down pretty much still that whole time. I want you to track how good you feel in mm-hmm. the gym, how your day-to-day energy levels, your mood, your sexual. I want you to track all of that, but do it at the end of your session. Just Just write down and pay attention to how good you feel because you'll be amazed how good you can feel when you just – Eat at maintenance <laughs> like mm. and that's why i use the um, term momentum phase like not not maintenance like you're building momentum to then decide where you want to go because yeah good th- good things happen at maintenance so we've rambled on about maintenance for a bit but it's it's important like it really it really is it's yes. where most people should live majority of their life like you can if you if you live at maintenance then you you diet down for 6 weeks get in shape for a holiday for an event whatever it may be and you go on the holiday for two weeks and you get back to where you were before you started dieting, you're in the same position. You can go straight back into maintenance and you can live life in a more optimal state rather than just chronically dieting and thinking about what you eat. It's not a great place to be. So yeah, try and (laughs) have more diet breaks than you do time dieting. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That would be my answer to that question. Yeah, that's it. And question number four, what are the top supplements you would suggest for a beginner getting into weight training? The top supplements that I suggest would be the top three
0: supplements I suggest for most people, just in general, which would be number one, would probably be uh, a whey protein supplement, just because most people aren't having enough protein and it's an easy access to just bumping that protein up so we can build more muscle. Secondly, would probably be uh, creatine one of the most studied supplements out there, very safe Um, as long as you don't have uh, like kidney disease and stuff like that. Just a single dose between like three to five grams depending on your weight. Um, And then maybe caffeine. Um, I say maybe because it depends on how much caffeine you have already. Most people would be having a lot of caffeine but if you are weight training, sometimes that caffeine dose response can really increase your um, work capacity in the gym and maybe when you are not feeling as motivated, having a caffeine, like having some caffeine can really get you into the gym, which over time may help with progressing. Um, but that would be like my top three um, just for for weight training and stuff. I don't see any other – I'm sure there are others out there, but I think those would
1: be the top three I would go for. So mine would be growth hormone, um, trend alone, and D. And, and, and. <laughs> no, no. In all seriousness, though, nothing's going to replicate good quality sleep, making good food choices, staying hydrated, and eating sufficient protein. That's mm. that's the magic pills and supple- supplements that people just aren't willing to take. Like if you're not taking care of those four, then this question becomes completely irrelevant. Now, the one that I would be pretty adamant about would be protein. And that was in that four that I said there, making sure you're eating sufficient protein. So if you struggle to eat sufficient protein, that's when you would supplement with a protein powder. Creatine, like you mentioned yourself, it's another one that you can replicate. And I would probably steer people, someone getting into weight training away from caffeine initially. Because then it may be a crutch of like, I need the caffeine to train. Mm. I'd rather you go in to train for the enjoyment of it because you're getting into it initially, learning the moves. You don't want to be like hyper-stimulated, maybe anxious going into the gym. So I would I would probably steer clear of that initially and then it can be something that you can use when maybe you feel a bit flat some days. You can be like, okay, I'll have a cup of coffee and start with a cup of coffee. Don't go with a 200, 300 milligram caffeine pre-workout or energy drink. Ease yourself in there, but but train just because you want to get into weight training, not because, okay, I've taken a pre-workout, so I should go. I, I mm. think that would be a better recommendation there. Um, but yeah, sleep. sleep. <laughs> I I stress this all the time sleep is the most pivotal aspect of your diet, dieting plan and your overall health. Like mm-hmm. the importance of sleep cannot be as under, understated. So view it as a supplement and be like, okay, I've got to have a nighttime routine, wind myself into bed, make sure I get seven to nine hours of good quality sleep and then wake up relatively gently not to a harsh alarm. And you'll be surprised with how much of an impact just that alone will have on your progress in the gym. So yeah. that would be that that would be the first one, right? And then yeah, protein, creatine.
0: Yeah. Um it it's so true, like the basics that we preach all the time. But mm. beginners just won't do that shit. so <laughs> it's it's unfortunate, but it's just like yeah, uh, maybe like once if depending on the love of how much they, they love weight training and stuff. I know when I was a little tucker, I would just like get into it and it'd be fine. But I think most people, yeah, if you are asking a question about supplements, you need to be doing the basics first. And then that's why they're called supplements.
1: So they supplement your training. What's What's crazy about that, right? Is if they hadn't have gone down the supplement route and, and thought of this magic pill powder potion and wasted their time on that. And if they had just started with doing the basics straight away, the sleep, the nutrition, the training, They'd get to their, their desired goal or result much faster than mm. if they'd had a f- bought into this magic pill, powder, potion, whatever it may be. Like, yeah, nothing gets you there faster than doing the basics. They're just not sexy. They just don't sell no. well. It's not like a twelve twelve week cleanse, detox, shred five thousand. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just it that that's like ooh, juice detox cleanse five thousand. Like, yeah, so. The the basics, if you're not taking care of the basics, don't bother about supplements. The, the the only two that I think I would definitely suggest is if you're short on protein, have protein powder and then creatine. They yeah. they they would be the two for me. And then yeah, you use caffeine as a way to get over it. I don't want to go into the gym today. But if I take this, it's gonna make me go.
0: Yeah, because you just need to go. That's the main thing. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah consistency <laughs> consistency is the key if there was a supplement that could be bottled up for consistency man it would be fantastic okay so that's a wrap for today's questions if you want your questions answered in the future make sure you're following us at brain.body.movement at Brad Dapper and at brock underscore Uglish. and you can ask us a question whenever we put up a sticker box or send us a dm but we just want to say thank you so much for listening to us. If you enjoyed or took any value at all from this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could screenshot and share to your Instagram stories. We'd also appreciate if you shared it with family and friends and left us a five-star review. And don't forget to turn on post notifications so you don't miss an episode in the future. But before we go, we can leave you with a few things. Make your damn bed, get your steps in, and be kind to one another.
0: Cheers. Yeah, because... You just need to go. That's
1: the main thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Consistency. Consistency is the key. That's if there it. was a supplement that could be bottled up for consistency, man, it would be fantastic. Bloody Siri. All good. Yeah. She yeah. Must, have, must have liked consistency, hey? Yeah, she did.
0: <laughs> Noise is gone. For those interested in everything, nutrition, training, and mindset, I want to be hoping, right? <laughs> what the fuck is going on, bro? <laughs> <on>, <laughs> show and in the front half we discussed our training, the tri- Jesus, sorry bro. You got a minute and a half. Let's go. Yeah, I'll get I'll get it done.